because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone. Welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com in the beautiful Silver Lake Studios. The show is, of course, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. Make sure you get their app, their uh, app that they have going, so you can stream 24-7 comedy any time, day or night. They have a uh, streaming app. You can get stand-up comedy anywhere you go. they got a number of uh, AMFM stations we're checking out. I'd like to welcome on the program, my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's happening? Wapon man. <laughs> All right. Now, where's that one from? <laughs> Is that your it's Jamaican? A Jamaican greeting. All right. It's short for what's happening. I just looked it up. Okay. I hope it's. I'm glad. I'm glad to see you did some. Stuff. I'm glad to see you did some prep for the show. I appreciate that. <laughs> bringing bringing something to the table. Good times, Logan. All right, Logan. We have a uh, special guest as always. We always have always have a special guest. Very special this week, Miss Amaya Perea. Amaya, thanks for coming on the program. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. So this is your first time in the uh, Silver Lake Studios. Of course, you've been over to my house before, but this is the first time where it's been in studio setup. What do you think? I think it's very professional. I think All you right. have your shit together. I appreciate that. Now, I know uh, I know you just started being a uh, co-host in uh, on a podcast as well, a friend of the program, Mr. Scott Bowser and his Scotty Mouth podcast. What's it like coming onto a podcast as a co-host? And uh, what's it like working with one Scott Bowser? Um, it's a dream come true, and uh, <laughs> we do not have our shit together. No, we right. do. But it's uh, definitely a lot of improvisational Improvisational? Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's generally what you got going on in talk radio. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of prep for that show. Not a lot of prep. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. It's always fun. Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just listening to a recent episode you guys had on Brian Street Team. You want to give us a little background about what that interview was like? Oh, yeah. That was great. That was, I think, the first porn guest they had, um, and that was also my first uh, time co-hosting. And Brian was super fun. He just gave us an inside scoop to the porn industry, all like some trade secrets. Now, what were a, what were a couple trade secrets he hit up? Um, well... Cetaphil, the face wash, is used as ejaculate in a lot of porn films. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did not know that? Yep. Didn't know that either. Like the soap, not the lotion. Oh, okay. Because that's like clearer, I guess. Oh, all right. So it looks more realistic? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, another one was they used uh, like a spray bottle of water to keep the real ejaculate kind of... I feel like this is already <laughs> taking like a Scotty Mouth turn. Sure. <laughs> Um, little, it gets a little crass on the Scotty Mouth podcast, yeah, but that's all right. a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it, they, to keep like the real ejaculate wet and, you know, for multiple shots. Now, wow. here's the thing. I'm sure women get uh, asked that a lot. Do women actually watch porno or is it – do they watch it in an enjoyable sense or is it just like out of pure curiosity? 
Um, I mean, I can't speak for all women, but sure. I have only watched it for an enjoyable sense with someone. Oh, okay. So, so like, I, I uh, it's not something I would like break out on my own. Right. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's how. Yeah, that makes sense. Women. Oh, hey, this is kind of a romantic thing, or to spice up. Uh, you know, spice up the old love life. I mean, I think most else. women use vibrators, so it's not. It's like it's going to happen. We don't need necessarily, right. and it's mostly in our heads. I think anyway. Yeah. It's not necessarily. We're not as visual. Exactly. So we have like a whole scenario happening. You know, there's like a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> the guy. You know, it's a whole. Uh, it's a whole nine. Right. Right. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. So Amaya, you uh, you were born in New Jersey. Is that correct? Mm. Mm. Okay. I was born in the San Diego. <laughs> All right. Someone, someone gave me the wrong notes. No, you did. You grew up somewhat I grew up in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Okay. So you were born I in San pretty, Diego. I was raised in New Jersey. Okay. Now, when did you move to San Diego? How old were you? Um, well, I was born there, so I moved to New Jersey when I was in second grade. Moved to New Jersey in second grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. For a job, my dad's job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how long did you stay out in New Jersey? I went to high school and college out there. My parents moved back to California my senior year of high school, and I stayed and went to Rutgers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what was that like? Were you, did part of you want to go back to uh, California at all, or you had felt like you adjusted to New Jersey and that's kind of where you wanted to stay? Um, I would say it took me a little while to adjust to New Jersey, but once I was adjusted, I definitely did want to stay there. I was kind of like, you know, like stuck in that. Like, I just wanted to live on the East Coast. I didn't want to, like, move. But I went to California a lot. My grandparents were out here, and my mom's side of the family was out here. So we made it out here, you know, quite a bit. Came out to California a lot. Mm-hmm. Hung but out. I associated it with, like, family things and not, like, fun or friends things. So, you know. I'm just picturing Amaya with, like, long fingernails and, like, an orange tan. Oh, no. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't, not you at don't all. have the uh, typical Jersey look or an accent. Well, that's at all. why people, like, just, like, thought I was a huge hippie. Just because I didn't, like, you know, oh, weird. get to it. Just because you're normal? <laughs> well, because I wasn't very into, like, makeup or hair or clothes. You didn't have the super Jersey-licious look going? Right, right. All right, so now, all right, elementary school, middle school, you said people thought you were kind of a hippie chick. Would you describe yourself as that? Did you feel like kind of a hippie chick? Were I mean, you, in uh, that I smoked a lot of... Tomboy? <laughs> I was definitely a tomboy when I was younger. All right. Um... And then I smoked a lot of weed in high school and college. So yeah, if that makes you a hippie, then sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people seem to attach that hippie moniker to people who smoke a lot of weed. Right. Generally gets thrown on there. We actually figured out that we went to the same Dave Matthews concert. I remember this. <laughs> I remember. I don't know how this came up in conversation. But we were we describing concerts that we've been to that were memorable. And we were at the same Dave Matthews concert where it had a big moment in the uh, and there was like, I guess it rained, right? When they yes. were doing the encore. Yes, it was pouring down rain, a giant stadium, and then he's up there rocking out. And yeah, we were talking about Dave Matthews, which for some reason, like later on, like, I don't know, Dave Matthews at some point became Nickelback, and people are like afraid to admit to enjoying mm-hmm. Dave Matthews. I love Dave Matthews, man. <laughs> I had a great time going to Dave Matthews concerts. It was a lot of fun. I don't know why, maybe it's hip now to bash on Dave Matthews, but I'm not going to turn my back on Dave Matthews now. Like, I grew up with Dave Matthews. I'm still cool with Dave Matthews. I've been to multiple Dave Matthews concerts. Right. It's a fun time. You go there, you tailgate, you hang out. I remember that concert because it was also, besides that crazy encore, and and just to clarify, we didn't know each other at the time. It's just funny that we... We were both describing the concert, and then we got it down to the year and like the time of year and the venue, and we're like, all right, this was the same concert we were at. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I remember that concert for multiple reasons. Not only was it pouring down rain and the encore was kind of a crazy show, but also... 
earlier during the day, we were hanging out, drinking beers, doing the tailgating thing, and one of my buddies reached into the trunk to grab a beer. He was getting a beer out of a cooler, and my other friend had just grabbed a beer out of the trunk and had like had his back to him for some reason and just slammed the trunk without realizing he was there, hit the guy oh. in the back of the head. His head was gushing out blood. Oh. And Not so, the worst place to get it. Right, injured. exactly. We're 17 years old. Everyone's wasted. The one guy's head is just bleeding out the back of his skull. And we're just like, all right, what do we do? And the buddy who slammed the trunk was like, sorry, man. And just like wandered off. <laughs> and, um, of course. My buddy who got the, uh, the cut on his head, or on his skull, he was freaking out. He was, it was, it was freaking out because it was a lot of blood. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I was like, okay, I'll go with you to the ambulance. We went to the ambulance. They took a look at the cut. They're like, you're going to need stitches. They're like, oh, my God, no, this is awful. So they actually had to drive us into New York City, went over the bridge with the, light, with the lights on, went in. He got into the hospital. He's freaking out because he doesn't want his... He doesn't want parents to know that yeah. he got, you know, he had this hospital visit randomly in New Jersey. So wait, is it, did his insurance pay for it? Yeah, well, because he had health insurance. I think eventually he just caved and said, like, all right, you know, this yeah. is my health insurance. Because he wasn't going to pay for cash or owe the money. They, yeah. You know, they realized, like, and okay. he's bleeding out of his head. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, so he gets he gets stitched up, and I'm just hanging out there. I'm like, oh, this sucks. You know, I'm not going to be able to go to the show. This is awful. They stitch him up pretty quick. We get back into the ambulance, and the the guys in the ambulance were like, I guess the cool ambulance guys, because they're like, don't worry, man. We got this handled. They turn on the lights. They drive uh, back over the bridge, take us back into uh, Meadowlands Stadium, and they, they drive onto the field and then just, like, drop us off. So then we just – we had field seats for the rest of the show. It was awesome. And I remember, him, I remember him still drinking more after he got stitched up. It was pretty a pretty epic concert. Lowered his tolerance. Now what? Uh, what kind of crazy story? You have any any crazy stories from uh, hanging out at Dave Matthews, going to jam band concerts, anything like that? Uh, I went to the last. Well, it was supposed to be the last Fish uh, show in Vermont. Okay. And there was a huge storm, so basically, like half the field where people were supposed to camp and whatnot got destroyed, and so they weren't letting people in anymore. So people had just. So there was probably. I don't know, 20 miles or so of cars lined up and they had just stopped and, you know, built fires and were like having their own <laughs> concert, like listening to as fish fans do. Yes. And uh, we had driven up from New Jersey and all my friends were like, fuck this shit. What, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and so they go around everybody and we tried to like, you know, like cut off and go like through the exit and they wouldn't let us. So we had to keep driving and get off at the next exit. And I was just like, I have to pee. Can we just pull over, guys? And, and so we like pulled over at a 7-Eleven or something. And the woman who was checking us out, we bought like snacks or something. And she was like, you guys go to the fish concert? You want to know the back way in? And we're like, yeah. So she gave us this like, you know, back ass way to get in. And we ended up getting in at 7 in the morning. And we ended up being like one of, I don't know all the people that stopped at that 7-Eleven, I guess. There yeah. was like 10 cars so that the, are just going through these like people. backwoods, like trails kind of. And, um, and yeah, that was a fun time. We had epic, a lot of mushrooms. Uh, epic concert. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of, yeah, a lot of fun. I remember, um, I think, uh, another one, uh, an epic one in high school. I've, I've probably told this story before, but we went up to, uh, there was a concert in Scranton. Another, uh, it was a jam band by the name of Mo. Mo, a uh, great jam band. So we went, we were going and seeing them in Scranton, hung out. 
the great time. Well, well, actually, we were uh, we were tailgating. Now this was like a covered parking structure, mm-hmm. and we we had brought a grill. So we're like, all right, we're still gonna we're still gonna have a barbecue, yeah. even though it's a covered parking structure. Sure. Like not really thinking about it, and then it starts like smoking the whole thing out, and you know you're a little high or whatever. You're in high school, and then the um, the smoke alarms start going off, so we start freaking out. So we like kick over the hibachi grill, pour Gatorade on it. There's like smoke everywhere. It's kind of disaster. Anyway, we go into the we go into the venue, and the plan was um, our one buddy that we drove up with. He was going to be the guy who drove back home. So that w- that was going to be the plan. But we also met up um, some other people from our high school that were there at the show. So uh, you know they parked right next to us. Get out of the concert. We can't find Joe. We're like Joe was the guy who was supposed to drive us back. They're like, all right, whatever. We'll still. He he wasn't his car. I forget who ended up driving or what the situation was. But we're like, all right, where's Joe? Where's Joe? This was pre cell phone, so we just assumed, hey, he probably went home in the other car. We're good. So we just drive home, and then uh, and then uh, the next day, I see him walking around, and you could tell he would he had like a really long rough night, and apparently we had just. We had left him up in Scranton, so he had to call his mom from Scranton, Pennsylvania, at a police station at like 4 a.m. to come drive him up, pick him up in Scranton, drive him all the way back, and yeah, he was like, I'm, I'm too tired to be mad at you guys right now. You guys are complete <laughs> assholes. I don't know why you didn't wait for me. That was the plan. We're like, Where was he? I don't know. He was just walking around. Like, I, in hindsight, we didn't really wait that long. We just waited like five minutes. We're like, all right, we got to go. This is out of control. We just... We got to cut Joe loose. We can't. We can't wait anymore. <laughs> Lost soldier. Yeah, we were we just we were driving home uh, from a concert at PNC once, and my friend Emily just got way too drunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she was in the back seat, and she had been throwing up like out the window as we started to drive. And then Forte, who was driving, is like, "Are you okay?" We're like, "Yeah." And uh, and I had cheese fries and gravy in the car, and so they were like, "Get rid of that! Like that's like smelling or whatever." Because <laughs> I had ordered it at this is so Jersey by the way, but I ordered it at a diner and then didn't eat it at all. So they're like, "Get it to go." So we left it in the car, <laughs> drank beer all day. It just sat there for like oh, ten hours. God. Oh, we man. came back and they were like, "Get rid of that!" And I threw <laughs> it out the window uh, on the turnpike, and we were pulled over instantly. And the cop, I didn't even put two and two together because it wasn't like right away, but whatever. I'd been drinking. So you chucked the fries out. Next thing you know, you get pulled over. Yeah. And then uh, he gave Forte um, the breathalyzer, or not breathalyzer, but just gave him a bunch of tests, I guess. The guy was And he driving. passed all of them, yeah. And he wasn't, you know, drinking, so he was fine. And then he was like, all right, who's throwing shit out the window? And I was like, oh, you saw that? And he's like, saw it. Look at my windshield. And it was just all over his windshield. (laughs) And then as he is yelling at me, he's leaned over, like, with his hands on um, the windowsill. And Emily's like, oh, I wouldn't put your hands there because he just, like, put her hands, like, in her puke. And he's just like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So he gave me a littering ticket and then just, like, sent us off. But he hated us. He was, Oh, yeah. You could tell he was just regretting that. Right. Yeah, he's not looking forward to that. Well, I mean. He's looking forward to somehow punishing you guys, but yeah. I guess the littering the ticket's the worst he could do. Yeah. What is what does the littering ticket run these days? Or these days, it? I don't know. This was years ago. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty expensive. I'm pretty sure it's actually like eight or nine hundred dollars just for throwing a cigarette butt out oh, the window. Wow. Yeah, really. Because I had a friend that who just did that a while back, and it was and they got busted for throwing mm-hmm. a cigarette butt out the window. Well, the I don't know. I don't know how they enforce the littering in uh, the city of Los Angeles, but clearly they don't enforce it at all in uh, the neighborhood of Silver Lake because people. <laughs> It's it's almost like a it's this cruel joke of like people just trying to one up each other with like crazy things they can litter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a toilet, uh, a, a nice toilet or a seemingly nice ceramic toilet Brilliant. sitting outside. <laughs> 
on the street for a good four and a half months. And now it's been replaced with two couches on top of each other. And it just drives me crazy. Like, they, they just leave large, bulky items out. It's just kind of like this California laziness mixed with just like, hey, who gives a shit about the city? We're just going to leave crap everywhere. And, yeah, no one, you know, that isn't enforced at all. But if you're driving in a car... Uh, you know, you're an actual taxpayer. They'll, they'll write you a ticket for that. But if you're just <laughs> yeah. a random guy just unloading crap, apparently, I don't know. <laughs> they also just want a reason to pull people over, I feel exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. And they figure, oh, if you're driving a car, you have insurance, you're probably going to have to pay this at some point. Right. I'll cut you a ticket. We had a toilet in our recycling bin when we first moved into our apartment. Really? Now, how we, long we did that take to get out? Uh, it was a while. It was a good three or four months. We just didn't recycle for the three or four months. <laughs> Uh, that's a great thing, just living in an apartment, just, oh, hey, something crappy happened, just kind of work around it by yeah. just pretending like it's not there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. we wrote some emails to, uh, you know, our leasing company, and then, like, nobody, everyone we wrote wouldn't work there anymore. Like, we'd write somebody, and they'd be like, this is your new contact person. We're no longer associated with B-squared. <laughs> and then I'd write the next person. Yeah, A lot of, lot of turnover yeah. with the real estate We thought we were company. squatting for a while. Okay, so you're in, you're in New Jersey. You're growing up kind of as a hippie tomboy, self-described. <laughs> What's the what's the plan for your occupation, going to college? What was your game plan going into Rutgers? Um, I didn't really have a game plan. I was a psych major and a math major. Actually, I think I was a business major for like a semester. Um, I decided to do study abroad my junior year, so I moved to Spain. I thought about teaching. I kind of wanted to like expatriate myself for a little bit and like work abroad. Yeah. Um, in some capacity. And when I moved, when I graduated from college, I moved to Spain and taught English for a little bit over a year. Um, so but yeah, I didn't in really Spain have for over a year. Mm-hmm. What's it like? Inter- I mean, are you fluent in Spanish then? I'm guessing. Yeah, for the most part. I haven't used it in a while. So you lose it a lot if you don't use it. But I can well, definitely understand. What was uh, what was like the biggest difference living and working over in Spain compared to here? Lifestyle, I, I guess. Is it because um, every time I hear uh, maybe this is why I'm just jealous of Europe, but every person that's ever been to Spain is just like, it's great, it's such mm-hmm. an amazing country. I never want to come back. What's so great about it? I mean, the lifestyle is really, really amazing. Nobody really is too concerned about uh, work or like you know success or being like, oh, we need a life plan. We need to do this by the, that time or whatever. Everyone's just enjoying themselves. So it's all just about hanging out, drinking wine, eating mm-hmm. cheese, that kind of thing. Enjoying people, yeah, okay. yeah. And they don't, and they work hard. Like they work way later than us, but they have like a big break in the middle of the day. Um, so they start early and then they have like you know three yeah, or four hours off. Deal, right, everyone gets together for lunch and drinks wine and. Mm-hmm. And yep. you just hear all these stories about this fabulous European lifestyle. I don't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could adjust. I like. I like. <laughs> I like grinding it out. I like. I like having goals and plans, and then not meeting them, and then getting fired up about it. I like that. <laughs> I like. I feel more comfortable in America. I don't like this. You know, free wielding spirit I hear about. You know, in Europe, I, you adapt to it pretty easily. Yeah, I pretty guess. Quickly. I guess once you're there, once you're kind of getting laid back. So you're living over in Europe, then you come back to America. Mm-hmm. When. Uh, or what's your what's your first job when you're back here in America after college? Uh, New York Life. New York Life. Is mm-hmm. that insurance? Yep. Uh, well, it was actually the mutual fund uh, affiliate, but okay. it, but yeah, it's the same company. So corporate America. Mm-hmm. And now was corporate. that was that in uh, New Jersey? That was in New Jersey. Yep, Parsippany. I got it through a friend of mine. I was like in debt when I moved back, so from Spain the second time, and so I started working like right. That week, my, my friend Mark was like, I can get you a job. And so I started probably a week later. 
and I worked there with two of my best friends. Now, when uh, when do you start thinking about comedy, or when do you start thinking about moving to Los Angeles? What what triggers the move west? Um, I okay. So my living situation when I moved back from Spain was uh, definitely unorthodox. One of my friends' moms, her like that somebody that she worked with was like, "I have to move to England for two years. Is there any chance your daughter would be able to house it?" because I don't want to sell my house. And she was like, yeah, for sure. So my friend Emily moved into this house and three of our other friends moved in also. So it was me and three of my girlfriends in the hometown that we grew up in living for free in this guy's house. Sounds pretty awesome. It was pretty great. And, uh, and then I started working for New York life. So I was able to like pay off my car, pay off my debt, save a bunch of money. And I kind of knew then, I mean, I knew that I was not in a job that I was going to stay in for very long. But as soon as the living situation ended, I just put in my two weeks. So, so as soon as the free pad was gone, you're like, yeah. all right. <laughs> I kind so, of had no interest in being in New Jersey necessarily, but like I knew I kind of wanted to, I don't know, like after like I lived in a few different places, I knew I didn't want to just like live in New Jersey for the rest of my life. So I just kept having that urge to like move and go somewhere else. Plus my whole mom's side of the family was out here. My brother okay. had moved out here. So you just, you moved out to Los Angeles more to just come out to Los Angeles and not be in New Jersey wasn't specifically for comedy? Yeah, I moved to Huntington Beach actually first. And then I moved up to Los Angeles a year later because uh, my friend Jamie had a roommate moving out and she was like, you should move in. Just brought you to Los Angeles. Now, Yeah, I'd been spending a lot of weekends up here because I had friends up here too. Okay, now what triggered the interest in comedy? Was that something you were interested in your entire life? Um, I've always been interested in writing my entire life. And so I wanted to write comedy before I started doing stand-up. And, um, and yeah, then I just kind of started doing stand up through friends that were like running mics and whatnot. Right. Yeah. A lot of, uh, open mics hitting the open mic scene. Yeah. <laughs> What's your, uh, now I know it's, um, you know, being a female comedian is always interesting because, or I mean, just the dynamics interesting in that there's so many guys compared to women and the ratio. Is that intimidating at all? Like when you first started out? Um, I don't, not really for me because I hung out with guys a lot and i grew up with a brother who's like a year apart i'm just very comfortable in that realm so i don't that part wasn't too intimidating now um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything about it i mean just like stand up and being on stage was intimidating right i definitely didn't grow up with a performance background at all yeah um so that was like the scariest part for me but yeah no the environment of having like a lot of dudes around was kind of hard for the course kind of okay with that yeah Makes sense. Now, what about, um, I know a lot of comedians, they like to say, especially female comedians or even guy comedians, they like to say, everyone in the comedy world seems like, oh, I don't want to date a comedian. But then it seems like all comedians end up dating Ugh. each other. Give me your experiences on <laughs> dating comedians. Good, bad, indifferent. What's your take? Um, I think it's an impossible rule to have and keep. Sure. Obviously, I've said it and I've broken it. Yeah. And well, yeah, I'm the same way. I'll be like, I don't really want to hook up with any female yeah. comedians or date female comedians. And then you just start going to the same. Oh, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't say it to you, Logan, but uh, I say it to myself. And uh, no, but then you just go to the same bars and shows and you just end up seeing the same people. You become yeah. friends and you start dating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any, that's pretty uh, much any horror happens. stories? Because this guy was asking, well, this guy was asking me. Uh, this writer was asking me, like, "Oh, is that, is that like, are you worried that okay, you dated someone and then you see them around, and then is that awkward or so, or something to that sort? That like, are you worried about that going in?" Um, I mean, I think that you are both aware of the way that it could end up, you know, and 
the awkwardness is just something that you have to deal with. I mean, when you date anyone, you have to deal with it. I, mean, I guess not really, actually. You could just never see somebody again. Exactly. That's ideal. It could be like maybe dating someone at work or some place you have to right. go. Yeah. Someone that lives right in your neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, I guess you worry about it initially, but then like once it's starting, you're just kind of like, eh, well, whatever. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I'm already in it. Yeah. We'll deal with it. And what about, what about the pitfalls of dating a male comedian? I feel like women out there, maybe they see a stand-up show or they look, you know, like, oh, he's funny. He's cute. I'd be interested in dating him. What are some, do you have any advice for dating comedians? I mean, I don't know why anyone would want to date a comedian <laughs> if you weren't like one that, you know, just, if it just didn't actually happen. Right. Because I do feel like, you know, we are a little bit self-involved and have to be, have to work really hard. So it's not like you have a lot of time to be able to Yes, very neat. Yeah. And it's always, it's always a weird dynamic of, oh, wait, you're not going to come support my show? Or you're not going to come watch me do stand-up? No, I've I've seen you do stand-up yeah. before. Why do I want to see you do stand-up again? No, I mean, I feel like like if you do date a comedian, the, the one plus is that you both get it, but the, a huge part of it is keeping comedy almost completely out of it. Like, I, I feel look at it as like working at an office. Right. You know, like you don't, if you're going to go to even a comedy party, it's just kind of like, well, we're going to talk to other people that we don't get to see a lot. So, exactly. So yeah, I'm not going to talk to you. Again. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to ignore you. We'll come back to the apartment. We'll hang out then. <laughs> and it probably does make it uncomfortable, too, the situations of like, oh, wait, I'm having sex with you. You won't book me at your show? I, I imagine <laughs> any any horror stories from that angle? Like, was there any any... Yeah, any horror stories at all? Um, no, I wouldn't say horror stories. Everybody I've dated has been pretty uh, grown up, I think, <laughs> for the most part. For a comedian, right? For a comedian, yeah. Yeah, and I've definitely tried that my hardest to keep comedy as much out of it as possible. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's easier said than done because you, you do it a lot. Now, speaking of... Uh... <laughs> Date comedians or do comedy? Uh, whatever. <laughs> Maybe both. I don't know. Um Speaking of female comedians and uh, the comedy scene that we kind of run in, Barbara Gray, female comedian that we're uh, both friends with, funny gal, she recently uh, took to the blogosphere <laughs> and uh, writ this, wrote this um, scathing, vitriolic <laughs> review of Pat Oswald. Pat Oswald, obviously a, a big uh, you know comedy nerd in the alt scene or whatever. Interesting. He went up on stage. He did this uh, small little show at a Chinese restaurant, and he went up on stage, and I guess a woman was filming him, and he said to her, hey, could you put that camera away? Um, you know, this is stuff I'm working on for a new album or, or whatever the case was. Then I guess she kind of hesitated at first. Then he – there was some back and forth, and then he ended up getting really mean and kind of uh, being a dick about it by all accounts. Obviously, I wasn't there. And he starts going off on her, and Barbara Gray really sympathized with the woman and felt bad about her, you know, getting yelled at like that and kind of being humiliated she left or whatever. Now, Pat Oswald responded saying like, oh, she was like kind of smirking at me and, you know, I'm really frustrated because I, I don't know, he, he wrote another like a big blog back and then there's all these uh, tweets going back and forth. It seems like a big hubble blue mm-hmm. in the stand-up comedy world. What's your take on it, am I? Oh, should comedy be so hard should, to care? <laughs> should uh, yeah, who, you know? Do you think care? that's you think that's going to hurt her uh, her career? No. Do you think that's something you should do? Um, I don't know if I mean if you feel like you need to, then absolutely. I don't know. I mean, she. It's. I thought that it was ballsy to call him on his shit. I don't think that people should never have to answer for their behavior, but um, you know, like clearly he was responding from 
things that had happened in the past, sort of. Like, in his thing that he wrote back, he wasn't just like, I'm sorry, I overreacted. He was right. just like, here's all these stories of shit that I've had to deal with. And it's like, yeah, you totally understand and sympathize with him. Um, yeah, i got to say, as a producer, I, I totally get his angle, actually. I, get I mean... I, I mean, I understand that the woman doesn't understand where he's coming from, so that's... So maybe I mean, a lot of people were like, yeah, it's obvious that you shouldn't tape comedians, but that wasn't even yeah. what the issue, really, because she he, she immediately put it away and deleted it and showed him that, that she deleted it. So Barbara was like, it's not that I was Ooh. defending her for taping. It was more like the diatribe that he you know went after her after she was like, okay, cool, look, it's gone. And right. then he Back kind of to continued to lay into her oh, yeah. to I mean, the point of making her leave and then went on about her after she was gone. <laughs> wow. Called her uh, a pasty face goblin, which is which sounds funny. Uh, no, no, no. He didn't call Patton her that. Oh, Barbara re- called Patton that, but I think that's oh, okay. a joke that he makes. He makes about himself oh, in his okay. stand-up. Oh, all right. I, I think I, that's I the way was, I read it. I thought he was referring to her as a pasty face goblin. Either way, solid punchline there. Um, <laughs> my take is I, if. You know, generally, I, I like people talking shit on each other. I find that entertaining. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I also think, that, you know, kind of there's a honor among thieves where in the same way that if uh, someone's doing some crazy shit on a football team, you call them out on your shit, but you kind of keep it in the locker room. Yeah. Like you didn't. I mean, she wasn't wrong to do that, and if she really felt compelled, and maybe it was a, a woman thing. That's why I was I was asking you. I, you know, I don't understand women and their women thing. Maybe maybe she felt like it was a women need to blog. Women I don't know. Thing. You I know, love the way Sean describes it. I, I really could not understand women any less. So maybe maybe she was. Oh, you, know, you guys feel like you're on the same team. Like, hey, you're also a woman. So I feel bad for other women getting yelled at by guys. So I, I that really moved me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, part I would just say yeah, keep it. In the locker room, and then just when you meet other comedians or people in show business, talk shit about the person. I thought, you know, that's <laughs> that's generally how you do things. You don't bash people publicly unless it's something crazy, unless it's something that happened publicly. I, that's yeah. in my mind. If it happened privately, just bash them privately. If it happened publicly, then you can bash them publicly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a good good uh, way to state things. You know. Yeah, my friend. Uh, I I actually heard that whole story before she blogged about it. I had a friend who was there. And uh, I guess he was recording for an album, Patton was. Yeah. And so when he just started going off, uh, my friend leaned over to another friend of ours and was like, and this track will be called True Colors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he's – and I sympathize with Patton because I've yelled at people in the audience. Sure. You know. Threaten yeah. to jizz on people's faces or whatever. Like I, <laughs> but probably good naturedly, right? Except, well, but in my in my case, they attacked me. I've right. never attacked a person just out of you know, just out of out of nothing. Yeah. Well, that that guy at Public House was unbelievable. Right, yeah. Is that what you're thinking of? Yes. Yeah. There was a well. Yeah. They, I got heckled pretty bad at Public House by two separate people. One guy I had to physically the first guy I had to physically <laughs> wrestle off the stage. <laughs> I was taping that. Yes, yes. Uh, I physically had to wrestle him off the stage because he kept he was he was drunk and crazy or something. He kept pushing this book in front of my face and like wanting me to read this line. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever. And then finally that guy got rid. And then this other dude just starts, you know, aggressively trying to fuck with me. I completely snap. I, you know, just unload on him. And then even afterwards get off stage and get in his face and, uh, you know, like, hey, I'll take this outside. He was an old guy. He wasn't He wasn't going to do anything. That was totally deserved, though. You had the audience on your side. Oh, yeah. One. I got a standing ovation. It was great. Yeah. And then the hilarious thing was I posted it, recorded the YouTube video, and then posted it on this um, 
alternative comedy message board, a special thing. And I was, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, like mm-hmm. a guy losing it on stage. And um, I think I phrased it destroying a heckler or something. So they took umbrage with that and they're like, destroying a heckler? Oh my god! They, you know, then. It was hilarious. My video of me dealing with a heckler got heckled on a message board of like people just <laughs> writing comment after comment of like that wasn't funny at all. Blah blah blah. Like they were defending the guy who was heckling me, oh, and uh, so it was just insane. <laughs> but right, obviously it's a little bit petty, but uh, you know that's what you do in the entertainment business. You have petty fights that are kind of meaningless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure she felt like she could have. She would have said something to him there, but maybe there wasn't an opportunity, or she right, wasn't maybe, comfortable. Yeah, because I've I've had similar instances where you really want to call someone on their shit and wish they would stay in the room so you mm-hmm. can kind of address it publicly, and then they leave, and then it's one of those things of like, oh, if you go up and you talk about them and make fun of them, then it's like, oh, you're making fun of them behind yeah. their back. Like it's almost a weird thing of like, I would say this in front of them mm-hmm. if they were there. Yeah. And especially if they're a celebrity, it's uh, – yeah, it adds another dynamic to it yeah. of like, oh, okay, you know, it's even kind of harder to call them out. Yeah. yeah. I mean I thought both the things that they wrote were fine, and but I didn't understand why a million other people decided to like write their two cents. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, people just... are – yeah, commenting about people's comments. I, I mean I, I just wrote... brought it up because it seemed like uh, – you know, it seemed like news in the uh, blog world. Sounds yeah. like a PR success. Yeah, I, I and guess. now the podcast world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This You can just smell the downloads. They're cooking. The right clicks are going off the charts, Logan. We are climbing up the charts. All right, uh, let's see here. So you just started hanging out. You kind of just fell into stand-up comedy. I, don't, I feel like I don't did. hear that a lot here on the podcast. I usually like to yeah. try to get people's story, kind of their impetus, what got them going, what ignited them. And for you, it just sounds like... A slow roll into just it becoming was. a comedian. Yeah, it was definitely a slow roll. Yeah, because I really wanted to write, and I realized kind of that um, the easiest way to get your stuff out there was to say it into a microphone. Nobody fucking reads anything unless they already know you. Exactly. So I, yeah, and I did improv for a little bit too, and um, realized I was gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this shit is gay. Now that's gonna start a uh, showbiz thing. <laughs> what uh, what I don't understand about show business is. All right, like some people get um, get like a complete pass for whatever reason. Like I was just sitting uh, writing some jokes, and I was looking to that. Uh, I was I was staring at that movie poster, Contraband, starring Mark Wahlberg. And I like Mark Wahlberg's movies. You know, he's a good action movie star. But it's funny that like Hollywood is so you know super liberal, super uptight. Like you. It, Obviously, if you commit a hate crime, you think that would be kind of like an asterisk on your acting and, and <laughs> you know your career. But Mark Wahlberg, from like age sixteen to like twenty two, he was a horrible, horrible man. Like just <laughs> just by reading the press accounts, like he um, he would just randomly uh, beat up black people, call them racial slurs. He uh, beat up a Vietnamese man and caused him. He, he, there's a Vietnamese guys out, a Vietnamese guy out there that's blind in his uh, one eye because Mark Wahlberg and his buddies just decided to beat him up. He Are you would, serious? Yeah. I don't think I even knew. Yeah, and he I had didn't a, know any of this. He had a really troubled past. This is just stuff off Wikipedia. As far as <laughs> I knew, he was just a white rapper before. Oh no, he no. He would just star. he would just be one of these Boston guys that would go around in roving packs and just beat up gay people or whatever. But then oh okay it, that guy still gets a pass in show business for some reason. But then if you – then like Joe Coy, the stand-up comedian who calls a heckler a fag, is like, oh my god, it's bells and whistles. Like people are getting self-righteous about it. Or even like compared to what – I don't now, think any- Well, he's not white, so. 
Who? <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, Joe okay. Coy's not one. Oh, all right. Or even like what Michael Richards did in hindsight is way less worse to black people than roving around in a pack of you know Boston thugs beating them up and calling them slurs to their face. Now, uh, yeah. granted, maybe he's changed, but it's funny how like, oh, okay, you can kind of just get some stuff white clean. Well, I mean, the Mark Wahlberg stuff wasn't public. That's, yeah. that's the difference. It's that, it's that mob mentality, you know? Everybody's like, oh, this is an evil person. Exactly. They said this. They got turned on him. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, this is a nice segue into here. Okay. Uh, did you guys hear the story about Papa John's? After picking- no. no. All right. This is, uh, speaking yeah, of racial. Before, I, don't, I haven't heard the story, but I've always said that the guy in that, those commercials, Papa John, looks creepy. Yes. No, it's Always very... like a creepy guy. Papa John's... It's not about Papa John's in particular. Uh, Papa John or whatever he called it. But he looks like... He looks... I'm, you know, making an allegation here. But he looks like he's coked out of his mind. Because he's got that, like, kind of pulled back <laughs> big smile. Papa's yeah. in the house. And he grins really... Wild. And the commercials are bizarre. I don't know if some with the lighting. And they throw these weird... There's, they're running commercials for the Super Bowl, and they're showing teams that are not in the playoffs from five years ago. It makes no sense to me. You are the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. You can get teams to license from the actual playoffs. And, yeah, he, Papa John's – I don't know what Papa John thought that, like, he needed to be involved in the pizza commercials. The only reason people get Papa John's are they're drunk or they want that garlic dipping sauce. Like, they should just zoom in <laughs> on the picture of the cup of butter. That's the reason why people get Papa John's. It's nothing to do with you, Papa John. All right. So what is it? What's the are you going to play it? Yes, I'm going to play okay. the, uh, the story here. Up a pizza at Papa John's, a woman named Minhee Cho looked at her seat where her name should be and saw something disquieting. Name: Lady Chinky Eyes. Naturally, she took to her Twitter account and posted a picture of it, which has since been retweeted over 500 times, saying, "Hey, Papa John's, just FYI, my name isn't Lady Chinky Eyes." The first manager of the store responded to press by saying, "I'm sure they didn't mean any harm, but some people will take it offensive." Since then, corporate has taken over by announcing on Facebook that the employee responsible is being fired. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm laughing at how horribly inappropriate um, to call a woman that is. Uh, yeah, that's. I, I mean, what do you expect from a, a pizza employee? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's awful. Sounds like hijinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's natural. It's natural hijinks at a pizza shop. No, I mean, obviously, this guy should be fired. And yeah. it is funny now that you can call just corporations out so easily with Twitter. Like, you can just throw that in there. Now that gets retweeted 500 times. I just would have liked to have been in the Papa John's war room. Like, there's some <laughs> Papa John's social media coordinator, like, just clicking through, like, oh, the pepperonis were a little cold. Okay. Oh, cheese on the top. Cheese on the top of the box. That'll be a problem. Lady Chinky Eyes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Abort, abort. <laughs> the manager. The manager tried to stop it by going, well, some people might take offense to that. <laughs> then the person running the – I mean, I get it. You're at Papa John's and maybe you were planning on getting fired anyway and thought this is a way to go down in flames. I don't know. It must have been a pickup or something like that or maybe – They wrote it on the pizza? They wrote it on the receipt. You know, like oh, how okay. they'll have like your name on the receipt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I thought something else. I thought it was like a reserved seat. 
<laughs> they, that they have a they have like a smoking, non-smoking, <laughs> lady chinky eye section. Lady section. No, I don't know. I figured it was probably a joke amongst the workers that she oh. wasn't supposed to see. And yeah. she accidentally saw. Them. No, yeah. I mean, you're calling. You're putting Not it that, on her actual pizza. I feel like you're really you want to be caught. It's like the guy who has the affair and leaves his BlackBerry out with the text <laughs> numbers out there. You, you wanted to be caught. You wanted to be punished. Yeah. You didn't really want to get away with this because obviously. I don't know if you've ever worked a, a shitty, crummy job. You can talk crap about the customers and get away with it yeah. virtually scotch-free. Yeah. Or scot-free or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't – yeah. But I'm sure he didn't plan on it being this big of a deal. <laughs> no. He wasn't like, this is how I'm going out. This is uh, – probably just trying to stick it to her. Yeah, in the same way that customer. Barbara Gray maybe didn't realize she was going to become a web sensation by calling out Pat Nozzle. <laughs> this guy thought, hey, Lady Chinky Eyes, she probably doesn't have a blog or a Twitter account. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> That's a problem now. Well, I mean, it's not a problem. It's good that he was called out and uh, – you know, people learn the important lesson of if you want a real pizza, don't go to Papa John's. That's really <laughs> what I'm getting at. Just shows, I mean, the customer service is awful. Actually, all right, this reminds me. I have this story asterisk. So I was looking to, uh, you know, get a day job, as I've been apt to known to have. And I walked into Buffalo Wild Wings. They were they had a hiring event. I'm only mentioning this now because they didn't call me back. So, <laughs> and I was like, all right, uh, I've never worked as a bartender or a server, but I just made up this fake resume of serving experience, <laughs> and just said, okay, uh, beer, wing, sports. Those are my three favorite things: beer, wing, sports. I can nail this. Anyway, I go in. I don't know. The interview seemed to go well. We talked sports, beer, and wings. I th- I thought I was in the conversation. <laughs> thought I was handling it well. Anyway, for one reason or whatever, I'm not Buffalo Wild Wings material. Because they want chicks. Yes. It's probably they're looking for hot chicks. I'm not going <laughs> to you – know, they have a thing called table gating. That's, what, that's their catchphrase. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not eye candy when you go table gating, all right? I'm a real man who knows actually how to tailgate. And to be honest, I'm, I'm probably better off not selling corporate rings or corporate wings because, you know, I, I mean, I would really feel like a sellout there. But mm-hmm. what really got me there – I walk in, and I know this is a uh, a waiter thing or whatever, but still, this behavior is inexcusable. And I want the people at Buffalo Wild Wings on Hollywood Boulevard to be called out here and now mm-hmm. on this very podcast. I walk in there, and I didn't realize it was also going to be like a hiring event where you fill out. I brought a resume printed out. I didn't, I didn't have a job application filled out because I show up there. They have a stack of job applications, and they don't have any pens. So there's two people there working, like the two Buffalo Wild Wings corporate people. And I go, oh, oh, I see uh, the job application. Like, yeah, just sit down and fill it out. And I go, uh, do you guys have an extra pen? They're like, no. I was like, and I s- see them holding a pen. Like, um, oh, can I just borrow that real quick and fill it out? Was it a server that wouldn't give it to you? No, they were working for Buffalo Wild Wings in a, in the corporate sense. Oh. And I go, oh, can I just borrow that real quick? Sit down, fill this out, and give you the pen back. I'm sorry, uh, I have a pen, but it's my personal pen. And the other guy oh goes, yeah, God. it's my personal pen too. Like you can't Are you just kidding? because one bitchy lady makes up a phrase. I'm really mad at the guy who went along with her personal yeah. pen phrase. Yeah. There's no such thing as a personal pen. All right. Pens are group commodities. And yes, if you lend out a pen, you'd like to have it back. So here's what happened. Here's what happened. I walked around. I found a nice lady. Actually, no, wait. She wasn't nice either because I asked her for a pen, (laughs) and she did this move. Yeah, but can you bring it back? I just hate that. I am I am suffering <laughs> for all these people yeah. <laughs> that stole pens from this lady over the course of their. Why do I have to be put through Wait, that did shit? Did they all have the same pens? 
No, this was a this was a different lady. This was another person like me filling out a job application who had clearly finished her job application, had a pen, and I asked to borrow it to fill it. Yeah, but could you bring it right back? Yes, that's implied. All right, I'm not some maniac. Okay, <laughs> and yes, I've been on the other end. I've lent out pens and I haven't got them back. But you know what? But you moved on. I learned to love again, and I learned <laughs> to give out the pens. I just hate this in society and just in life, whether it's relationships, bosses, whatever the situation, all your shit that's built up from behind, you have to – like I'm already getting yelled at for something I never was involved in. I just hate the preemptive bitching, okay? I understand. It's a pen and you feel like giving me the whole warning about the pen. That's really going to secure your pen and you're going to get it back. But I would have brought the pen back. Either way, all right? Well, I worked yeah. at Bandera, and we had to use specific pens that we had to buy from them for, like, 50 cents or something. Or maybe, yeah, maybe they were a dollar. I don't know. Whatever. We had to buy these specific nice pens, and we weren't allowed to use any other pen in the restaurant. So I thought maybe it would be that situation, but okay. I don't know. Well, I'm glad to see you're just sticking up for these women, <laughs> Amaya. I get it. It's a woman thing. She was a woman. All right. I'm learning a lot about women here. You guys just like to stick together. You band together against me. Excuse me. All right. Some more uh, more controversial news. So you should do medical studies. Medical studies. <laughs> oh asked. yes, I have a uh, I have an asterisk here. I meant to ask you about that. <laughs> you also are uh, I don't know. You're looking for ways to make money besides comedy. If you know um, until the uh, until the writing and comedy pays the big bucks. Now you were talking to me uh, the other night about some medical testing. Could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, this is my first one. Um, we have a friend, Megan, that does this uh, frequently, and this is a pretty Megan great Keister, one. Megan Keister, she has mm-hmm. a blog where she talks about her medical testing. Yeah, that's right. I she's a lab rat. Yeah, yeah, human lab rat. Yep, that's nice how lady. she pays the rent. She's great. She's a very funny comedian. She, um, so she told me about this one because she knew I would be interested. <laughs> Uh, because she does some like weird ones, but this one they basically pay you like hundreds of dollars to take a shitload of opiates. Right. And <laughs> whoa, Maya's really no Ma- grinning ear to ear. <laughs> it seems like it seems like a cush gig. You just show up. You, uh, I, I don't know. I guess you haven't gone through the thing. But is any? Are you worried about like... any sort of long term health things? I imagine you have to Mm-mm. sign a lot of disclaimers. No, not really, because they monitor you and they also check your health out like really well beforehand and they also give you a talk screen. By the way, they're only looking for one more girl. I okay. asked, I did email her <laughs> to see if I could get you in. Yeah, to see, all right. Well, maybe I could Maybe I could say I'm a woman as well. <laughs> I don't know, they're pretty thorough. I okay. feel like they'd check that. They, they would, yeah, that might, I I don't think I'd work as a woman. Right, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was just, I briefly Still thought about gun, it. Put stuff some socks in your shirt. <laughs> But no, you can't. So you can't do any other drugs. You can't be a smoker. You can't be like a heavy, heavy drinker. But like, you're a smoker. And- I haven't been smoking actually oh, for like okay. a month or so. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. It's actually... New Year's resolution? No, it wasn't New Year's. It was before New Year's. It's probably been like a month and a half. No, what's, what's your secret to quit smoking? Uh, I have to quit drinking and I have to also quit um, coffee because those are the two things that go really those well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it helps to like... I like. I think I stopped when I went down to go see my parents one weekend, and I was down there for like four or five days, and I was just like, "All right, I'm not going to do so it." So you I'm didn't you didn't smoke in front of your parents? Uh, I mean, I generally if I if I smoke down there, it's like at night. They know I do because I smell it. But um, but yeah, I generally don't smoke in front of them anyway. But I kind of went down there with the thing in my head, like, "All right, I'm going to get out of my normal, you know, circumstances and stay down there." Detox, mm-hmm. get clean. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to hear yeah, that you're, uh, you're off the smoking. Mm-hmm. Now, this 
Speaking of, we've uh, talked about some controversy here. This is some uh, school controversy. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, apparently... Apparently some parents are getting a little fired up. Parents about near Atlanta, Georgia, they are outraged this afternoon. And it all has to do with their kids' math homework. Check out a couple of the problems third graders at Beaver Creek Elementary had to do. Quote, each tree had 56 oranges. If eight slaves picked them equally, then how much would each slave pick? Also a question, if Frederick got two beatings per day, how many beatings did he get in one week? When angry parents called the school to talk about these worksheets that were sent home with their students, the school explained the teachers were trying to incorporate history lessons into the math lesson. The school has since destroyed those worksheets and promised to work with the teacher who came up with it to make sure it doesn't happen again. For some parents, that's simply not enough. All right. Now we're in such a wacky world, man. Now, if you were a parent of mine, would you be outraged about that? Uh, If I found out about it, yeah, you'd be fired up. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be a very busy parent. I feel. (laughs) What of just being outraged all the time, or no, no, in your kids' lives? I don't know if I'd ever know about that worksheet. Yeah, that's what I feel like. The kid was probably dumb and didn't know how to divide fifty-six, and like couldn't figure (laughs) out. The only reason this would come up is because he couldn't figure out 56 divided by 8, and then he asked the parents, oh, hey, do you know how to divide? And they're like, oh, God, my dumb I can kid. Only, yeah, I can only it's imagine. seven. Oh, wait, <laughs> slaves? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand. I don't know. I, I don't see myself being outraged about this, and I guess it's probably because I've never been a slave and my ancestors aren't, weren't slaves, so I, may, I don't have the same level of sensitivity. But my thing is it's not like it's – Hey, these totally awesome slaves were picking oranges. Remember the good old days, kids? Like, they just mentioned slaves and what they were doing. But by the way, it doesn't give any context, so it doesn't say it's negative either. It's just like, oh, yeah, slaves are normal. Let's just act like. (laughs) Yeah. Slaves are picking 100 and. Right. Yeah, I mean, they would probably. Maybe did the students complain? Were they like, this is weird? Or was it just. See, I don't think I don't think students would be aware like that politically aware. You're learning yeah. in history. Slaves did, but did stuff. But do you even learn about slavery at first or second? How old were they? Slavery? I think it was I think it was third grade. So oh, okay. I imagine they're doing Civil War in history and the, mm-hmm. and the uh, you know which this, is which is when you should learn about slaves. The math Civil teacher War. was like, yeah. hey, we'll do a little cross promotion. I'll mention <laughs> slaves. You mention math. You can do some. We'll get can, beatings in there somehow. Here's what we can do. All right, we can do uh, we can do some fractions. Actions, um, describing how th- the three-fifths vote worked. All right, we can we can work this out. Four score in seven years ago. That's eighty-seven. That's math right there. Let's, let's do this. I, and beatings. I, I mean, I guess yeah, it's the same way. Well, first off, that one's harder to defend because I don't know what historical relevance, or relevance beatings. Like, well, a kid got a beating once. I don't see any sort of like naturally historical relevance that you can tie that to. It's yeah. just taking a neutral thing, a math problem, and making it negative and adding the idea of beating someone to it. Well, maybe the next, in in their defense, maybe the next thing is, hey, um, you know, there were 34 liberators who totally freed the slaves. <laughs> and, and they each could liberate two slaves an hour. It took them eight hours. How many slaves did they... Yeah. I mean, yeah, they mention the word slaves, but I feel like there's no opinion on the slaves. I think it's implied that slaves are bad, and once you learn about the Civil War, you understand slavery is bad. I feel like it's pretty much assumed nowadays in yeah. this uh, you know, politically correct times that slaves are bad. I don't know if you necessarily need to qualify it any more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I... Obviously, it was a bad idea just because 
Right. I mean, why would you include this? It doesn't need to be there. Yeah, it seems kind of harmless, but it just seems, yeah, it's a bad idea. Uh, yeah, all right. It's a bad idea. Is this a worksheet they've been using for years? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It sounds, maybe, hey, it was the South. There were Things were different back then. Maybe they got away with this worksheet for a long time. Yeah, and this is the first kid <laughs> that's like, really, yeah. finally in 2011. Or, I like or to 2012. think they just made it this summer, and they're like somebody pitched it. Like, hey, how about we? Hey, guys, uh, let's, uh, let's I make it. I got a great idea, guys. <laughs> How can we work in the Holocaust and also? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the these, Third Reich killed. Six it does. It Jews. does show the. Uh, <laughs> it does. How many Jews were killed at this camp? It, yeah, it does. It's like Jesus. It, it. I guess it also, from the the teacher's perspective, they're a little bit naive. Like, oh, hey, if we just mention slaves, that's going to make them learn more about history. Uh, oh, hey, slaves. Oh, I know about <laughs> slaves. That reminds me of the Civil War. Like, that's not going to help kids learn. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it's just probably going to confuse them. How you know, do we get our students easy. to subconsciously be thinking about beatings during <laughs> yeah, slavery? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't know if I necessarily defend him, but it it just seems uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean there there are very few things that could outrage me. Right. I, I save my outrage for blog postings and <laughs> such like that. Well, I'll tell you what I'm outraged about is uh, Snoop Dogg was arrested again for marijuana possession, if you can believe it, guys. Oh, man. No. Good buddy Snoop not Dogg. Not in California, right? Nope, not in California. He has his uh, medical card. He was. You know, I just had a dream about that last night, actually. Really? About just, Snoop Dogg? Not about Snoop Dogg, but I had a dream that I was in New Jersey with uh, one friend here and two friends in New Jersey, and we decided to go to breakfast somewhere, but for some reason we had a tray of pot brownies in the trunk. And got pulled over, <laughs> and were like violently arrested in my dream. Really, they were really mean about it. Violently. And then they were also eating the brownies. So like, I should have. I Typical known. cops. That's like that. Oh man, that's one of the greatest YouTube videos of all time. Of course, you've seen that, right, Amaya? Which one? Where the cop eats the co- or cop eats the pot brownies? Oh yeah. No. Oh my god. All right. Well, I can't pull it up right now, but uh, <laughs> I feel anything- like the majority of the listeners have heard of it. But the cop, he. Pulls these people over. This is the backstory. Pulls the people over, confiscates their weed. I guess he had never made weed brownies before, made a batch, or it sounds like he had never been that high. I think he mentioned that he found out on the internet how to make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he made them. He made a really (laughs) strong batch of weed brownies, cooks them, eats them, totally freaks out, calls 911, and it is one of the greater 911 tapes of all time. And he's a cop? Yeah, he's a cop. He... (laughs) I think he got warned. He didn't. Event- Maybe he got fired eventually, but he he's just got some great lines. He's just like, um, "I'm dying. Can you send rescue? I'm dying." I think you know I'm, I did see this. I'm I really- didn't realize he was a cop, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm dying. I'm really dying. Uh, what's the score in the Red Wings game? There's a great reenactment by Sean Green. On yeah, YouTube, I, by the way. I I reenacted. I do the same dialogue dressed up as a cop. <laughs> What's the score in the Red Wings game? One. It says one one on the TV. Well, yeah, that's probably what it is. Sean's looking at the microwave. That <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Yeah, so check that out. That's still on uh, up on YouTube. There. It just ruined the best joke, but yeah, way to way to step on it, Logan. <laughs> now no one's gonna go to the YouTube page. My whole social media empire is crumbling thanks to Logan. <laughs> So the point I was getting at was that Snoop Dogg got arrested. He had his medical card. He tried. He, he admitted that it was his weed and showed him the medical card. And they're like, no, this is only for California. So they arrested him. But the cops that busted him were the same cops that busted Willie Nelson like four or five years ago just in star Texas. Fuckers. Oh, what a, star chasers. What a dick. And, uh, and um, it's funny. The, I guess the prosecuting attorney back in the day of Willie Nelson, I guess they were going to charge him or, you know, it was like a $250 fine. 
and like certain amount of hours of community service, or he could sing one of Willie Nelson's songs. In, <laughs> if Willie Nelson could sing a song to the judge, he would drop it down to a hundred dollar fine. And I guess I, I think Willie Nelson refused, or the judge wouldn't allow it. One of the two. So I don't expect Snoop Dogg to be getting off with that same sort of treatment. I don't. I don't imagine the prosecuting attorney be like. Now, Snoop, if you just go in there and sing Gin and Juice, I'll drop this down to $100. Imagine if you got arrested for something, would you do a 10-minute set? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I can actually, guys, if you want, I can actually do some time on me getting arrested, which is, uh, yeah, it's based on I can tell you about my first DUI. I can just, yeah, I can, just, I, can just do some, I can just do some material from the act, and uh, we can, you know, maybe we can knock this down. Cops are, cops are hilarious in that sense. But this is back when... Willie Nelson originally got arrested. This is Snoop Dogg to the uh, TMZ cameras defending his uh, good boy, Willie Nelson. Hey, Snoop, what you think about Willie Nelson, man? What happened to Willie Nelson with uh, getting caught with, what, six ounces of weed out in Texas? Man, they better leave Willie the f*** alone, man. <laughs> hey, what's the, the f*** going to be f***ing with Willie, man? <laughs> Willie, Willie Nelson is a legend, man. Realistically, y'all sometimes need to back up off of certain people and have a certain amount of respect for your elders, you know what I'm saying? Willie Nelson is, is our elder, man. He's somebody who lived through many decades of music and hard times and whatnot and living good and going up and down. So give him that respect. Who's the that arrested him? I want to know who the police officer that said you under arrest, you had a right to remain silent. You dumb motherfucker. You stupid motherfucker. You. What you think you're going to gain by arresting Willie Nelson? He got out and he back smoking right now. <laughs> So that the well, cops respect from Snoop Dogg. The cops he's calling out are uh, imaginatively either or you know, assumably the I don't even know if either of those are words, but <laughs> I'm guessing the same cops that arrested Willie Nelson. So kind of uh, kind of tempting fate there, Snoop Dogg, but I, I don't think he cares. It kind of adds to his street cred. <laughs> Willie Nelson, did you ever he, they uh, he has a good, he has a song with uh, Snoop Dogg, My Medicine. It's Willie Nelson on the guitar. It's kind of like a hip hop thing. It's a uh, it it's good? a fun little song. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I mean it's it's not like uh, you know, Grateful Dead, Casey Jones or something. It's not like a <laughs> it's not like an epic musical masterpiece, but it's it's some fun to throw on. Yeah. It's a good uh, good little tune. They, I guess they out. just it is funny that Weed really brings people together more than anything in this country. Yeah. Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg, seemingly not a lot in common. I guess they're both involved in music, but you know, once you uh, you know, once you break out the weed, they uh, yeah. they get to being good pals. Yeah, sure. Both musicians, <laughs> both creatives. Right, exactly. They both hang donors. out. Yeah, that's enough things in common. All right, this. I feel like I have to touch on this. Jordan Vandersloot. Did you guys see this? Jordan Vandersloot pled guilty to murdering a woman in Peru. He was yeah, the guy sure. who was the original suspect in the Natalie Holloway case. Of course, uh, I think I've told this story a few times, but I, I went to Aruba right after Natalie Holloway disappeared, went down there, and my dad kept asking people, like, oh, hey, any leads on Natalie Holloway? It's a very uncomfortable trip down to Aruba. <laughs> my dad did not solve the case, neither did the Aruba prosecutors. Jordan Vandersloot was, they couldn't charge him with anything. They kept arresting him, and... They just didn't have any hard evidence, basically because they couldn't find the body and still haven't found the body. Now, five years later, to the day, actually, Jordan Vandersloot was arrested for murdering this woman in Peru. It sounded like he was just down in Peru, hanging out at some casino. Supposedly, uh, I think what the prosecutors uh, alleged was that she was on his computer and found evidence of him being involved in the Natalie Holloway case, and then he found her looking at it, and then so he strangled her and and killed her he uh, he pled guilty today 
Holy shit. Yeah, so here's a little bit of this. Uh, it's worth he it. He just, just keeps evidence from his first murder. I know. This guy, yeah. And this is it's an screen, of clearing it's a your history. Saver. <laughs> yeah, it's a screensaver. I'm just like. <laughs> just bounces off the screen. Instead, I told you not to use my computer. Instead of the dancing baby, it's just Natalie Holloway's face. Like, I totally murdered her scrolling across. <laughs> oh no oh no don't don't listen to my uh, podcast where i just describe how i heard i mean obviously this guy's a piece of shit but w- what also came out was that apparently he contacted the um the uh, natalie holloway's parents and said for 250 grand he would tell them the complete story and tell where the body was oh which God. is like yeah, so eventually... Isn't that enough to fucking put him in jail? I would think Once so. The, acquitted, I think. The FBI, the FBI got involved. Well, he was never... Acqu- well, see, that's the thing. Like, the FBI got involved. He, they actually transferred... He had got 15 grand from the family. Got away with that 15 grand somehow. And then, you know, so he's facing all these charges in the U.S. of, like, wire fraud and, like, blackmail. Besides, yeah, eventually, hopefully, trying to charge him with uh, Natalie Holloway's murder. So here's a little bit about that case. Vander Sloat, the man so many believe was responsible for the disappearance of Natalie Holloway seven years ago, has now confessed to the 2010 murder of another woman in Peru. This comes a day before he's scheduled to be sentenced in the case, and ABC's Andrea Canning is here with the details and what is at stake. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, George. And a lot of people are finding this story outrageous based on his defense. Yoron Vander Sloat's attorney told three female judges who heard Yoron's case that he has a type of post-traumatic stress disorder, <laughs> hoping to get him a lot less than 30 years behind behind bars. What made him snap? Yoren claims the stress associated with the Natalie Holloway investigation <laughs> drove him to murder. <laughs> so that's the actual defense they're using. The stress of I mean, I'm not laughing. of murder. I'm not laughing at these uh, poor women that are murdered. I mean, uh, he was brought to justice, so hopefully he's locked up for a long time. I don't know how they do things in Peru, but the audacity of, of that is your defense. Like I was, I was so stressed out facing the original murder charges that I, I eventually snapped and actually murdered someone. Seems a little bizarre. Wow. Look at the time. It has flown by. Thank you very much for uh, coming on the program. Amaya, Logan, you want to, uh, you want to wrap things up here with a haiku? Let's do it. <laughs> Ending with poetry. Thank you yep. for having me. No problem. Jam Band Connections Jersey Hippie Amaya <laughs> Lady Jinky Eyes <laughs> Just to clarify, that was, uh, that was Logan using that awful racial slur out of context. All right, Amaya, uh, <laughs> any plugs you'd like to throw out? Where can people get a more Amaya? Uh, I'm doing Handshucked, a show <laughs> this Saturday. Wait, wait, how, what's the turn of I don't know. It's an old post tomorrow, meaning Friday, so right. know, Twitter's always All a right. good plug. Yeah, Twitter. Amaya underscore Teresa. Okay. My Amaya Teresa. Check it out. Very, very funny gal. Appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, let's see. I got a couple things here to plug. January 22nd, 7 o'clock, Burbank Flappers. Just for Laughs Showcase, so come check me out there. And uh, also, kind of on a sad note, a, uh, a comedian friend of mine, Angelo Bowers, uh, passed away a little while back. He was uh, involved in a uh, DUI hit and run. So you can check out his comedy. Kind of, learn- They were doing a few different fundraisers. You can follow that, at Angelo Jokes. Very funny guy, great guy. And also another comedian that was involved in the crash. They're raising money for him, at Josh Adam Myers. So check those 
two accounts out. Support if you can. Great guys. It's a it's a shame we lost Angelo. Very funny dude. Check out his stuff. Yeah. Posting a lot of his videos on YouTube. Very funny guy. And uh, yeah, young guy. Shame all around. So uh, check that out. Oh yes, am I? I'm also doing a, a suicide or a benefit for suicide for prevention on January 31st. I think at Wits End. Okay, January 31st, Wits End. That's on the west side of Los Angeles, over in the Venice area, I think on Lincoln Boulevard. So check that out. You can get all the details on Amaya's Facebook page or Twitter. Just Google Amaya. I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it. Yeah, you'll, 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 get, you'll get sucked into the world of Maya, and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll be for the better. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every Thursday on ShawnTGreen.com. Check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dick, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. And check me out on loganlystico.com. Also, a quick shout out to Clint Mickle, who bought my CD, and I told him I would shout him out in the podcast if he bought the CD. So I forgot to do that. Apologize, Clint. Clint.